signaling devices. The procedures for this public hearing are located in the lobby along with the agenda for and copies of staff reports for today's hearing. Meeting schedules and agendas for the City Planning Commission are available online. Staff reports and maps for the City Planning Commission hearing will be available online approximately one week prior to the public hearing. To access this information, log on to www.norfolk.gov planning. If you wish to speak on an item on today's agenda, you must fill out a request form with the staff member located in the council chamber lobby. We normally hear the items in the order in which they are listed on the agenda. The planning department staff will introduce each item by stating the type and purpose of the application and the location of the property. A staff member will deliver a presentation on each item, followed by a recommendation on each application to be considered at this hearing. Following the staff presentation, the commission will hear from proponents and then from, uh, from the opponents if there are any. Anyone who is signed in to speak will be called by the chair. He or she should approach the podium, state his or her name and mailing address, and they should speak directly to the commission and not the audience. Remarks will be limited to three minutes each. However, the applicant's time will not be limited. After all proponents and opponents have been heard, the commission will allow rebuttal first from proponents and then opponents. Total time for rebuttals will be limited to five minutes. At the conclusion of the hearing on each item and after considering all information presented, the commission will take action on the matter. Action on each matter by the commission will be to adopt or fail to adopt by roll call vote, a motion to approve the granting of the request. The statement of the motion in the affirmative by a member of staff is a matter of voting procedure and in no way indicates the recommendation of the staff or consensus of the commission. Following the action by the commission on the matter, a written recommendation will be made to city council. Anyone who appears before the commission will be notified by the city clerk's office of the date on which the city council will consider the application. However, it is the responsibility of each applicant to contact the city clerk's office to confirm the hearing date and time with the city council public hearing. With that, we'll have a roll call. Okay. Uh, note Mr. Hales is absent. Note Ms. Austin is absent. Mr. Houchins? Here. Mr. Murphy? Here. Ms. Shelton? Here. Dr. Newman? Here. And Dr. Mr. Frelly? Here. Our chair does acknowledge that we do have a quorum. Uh, with that, we'll get into the uh, first item on our agenda. The first item on the agenda is a, an application by the City Planning Commission for a zoning text amendment to Section 3.2.12, Uses for the Residential Base Zoning District, Section 3.3.9, Uses for the Commercial Base Zoning District, Section 3.4.10, Uses for the Downtown Base Zoning District, Section 3.5.7, Uses for the Industrial Base Zoning District, Section 3.611. Uses for the Historic and Cultural Conservation Base Zoning District, Section 3.7.13. Uses for the Special Purpose District, Section 4.2.3F. <laughs> Performance Standards for All pr Principal Uses, Standards Specific to Commercial Uses, Section 4.3.3, Performance Standards for All Accessory Uses, Table 5.1.7D, Motor Vehicle Parking Design Standards, Minimum Number of Parking Spaces, Table 5.1.9, Bicycle Parking, Minimum Bicycle Parking Standards, and Section 8.3.2, Terms Defined of the Norfolk Zoning Ordinance. The purpose of this request is to allow short-term rental units, vacation rental, and short-term 
rental units homestay within certain zoning districts and to amend performance standards for these uses. Thank you, Susan. No presentation, Bobby. Mr. Chair, uh, due to uh, some limited staffing, Ms. Pollock and I will, will do presentations from uh, the days if that's uh, permissible. I appreciate your dexterity. Go right ahead. <laughs> Sir. Uh, this uh, text amendment is, to, uh, is for the allowance to provide the opportunity to apply for vacation rentals and short-term rentals in the city of Norfolk. Start with the homestay. A homestay is a dwelling a unit for rent for fewer than 30 days when the owner is present during the entire rental period. Uh, the key is, is uh, there is someone always on site that is going to be at the location, the owner of the property, as specifically noted in the regulations. Uh, and they are essentially renting rooms while they live in their house. Okay? That's what we consider our homestay. Uh, maximum number of people that would be permitted are two people per bedroom with a maximum number of five bedrooms that would be available <coughs> for, for rent or for uh, available to stay in. Uh, the requirement if you were to choose, if a property owner was to choose to go through the homestay requirement would be to have one additional parking space per bedroom that's available for uh, homestay rent. And that the operator also is liable to uh, report um, any uh, necessary taxes that may be owed for operating the business uh, through the home. As part of the process, and it's probably easier to see if you take a look in your packet, Mr. Chair, mm -hmm. um, we do have a, a number of uh, requirements. Uh, there are essentially two options that are available for a person that wants to operate either a homestay or a vacation rental. Uh, one option is to register uh, through a voluntary registry. Uh, the other option is to obtain a conditional use permit. Uh, in this instance for uh, homestay, again, which is the option that has the property owner that stays at the house and is renting out a room uh, in, that's in the principal structure, they also have the one option where they only have to apply for what's, for what's typically known as a zoning certificate, which is the normal approval uh, that we provide for, uh, to establish a use on a property. Um, what we've done throughout the code uh, through this proposed text amendment is provide a table that that ticks off all the necessary requirements. So if you choose to obtain a zoning certificate, you have certain things that you have to meet. If you choose to register through the voluntary registry program, you would uh, have to follow other certain criteria. And if you choose to go through the conditional use permit process, which is the public hearing that goes through uh, the Planning Commission and City Council, there's a different uh, set of rules that, um, or circumstances that that applies. Again, trying our best to, one, provide options that are what we consider by right, but also for other options that do have impacts, we do provide an opportunity for the, for the uh, property owner to apply for a conditional use permit uh, and to show how they're offsetting any potential impacts to the surrounding neighborhood. Uh, that's what the conditional use permit process is for. Um, a vacation rental, which is the typical one that you see uh, that, we're, that has a lot of concerns, is a whole house rental, as is typically known as, where the owner of the property is not on the premise. They rent out the entire home uh, for, uh, for someone that's vacationing. Uh, the term is for less than 30 days. Okay? Uh, we use that term because anything past 30 days is deemed a regular rental. Anyone can rent longer than 30 days. But these are for what are, as we know, are called short-term rentals. Um, Similar, similarly, they do have to obtain some type of zoning certificate or zoning approval, whether it be through the registration process or through the conditional use permit process to operate, uh, and a business license in order to properly report their, uh, their 
earnings through the, uh, through the operation of the business. Uh, in this case, also, we, there's uh, additional parking that's required per character district. As you know, uh, members of the commission, the zoning ordinance has split up through by character district the number of parking spaces that are required. Uh, this uh, use was or is currently in the zoning ordinance. That's a, it can be applied for through conditional use permit. It currently has parking standards that are in the ordinance. Those parking standards will move forward as a requirement still for anyone that's applying either through the registry or by conditional use permit. Again, the key to offset uh, any uh, potential negative impacts to the surrounding neighbors is to assure, uh, definitely to assure that there's a location for these vehicles to park. Uh, again, the, there is a table that deals with vacation rentals. Uh, again, there's two options through the vacation rental, the registration option and the conditional use permit option. Uh, registration is a voluntary registration. If a person chooses to uh, not register in order to operate the use, they do have to apply for a conditional use permit to operate the use. The keys to the registration, uh, registration is valid for two years. Uh, again, this registration process is a voluntary registration process. Uh, it does provide contact information for uh, the person that is operating the use. Uh, they do have to have proof of a, fire, a courtesy fire inspection and that they have complied with the fire inspection results. Typical fire inspection uh, issues that they deal with would be fire, uh, having a fire extinguisher in the kitchen or having proper smoke detectors and making sure they work appropriately life safety issues that need to be handled in order to make sure that we keep occupants safe. Um, for any vacation home, uh, they do, uh, that fire inspection is the initial courtesy inspection that's done. Um, and there is also in the code, there is an agreement to allow law enforcement uh, to enter the property uh, for the purpose of inspecting it uh, in case that we've uh, received any concerns or, or issues, um, again, the key is to, as staff, as we do enforcement, uh, we try not to just show up. We do try to schedule these, similar to our hotel motel program uh, that we do uh, annual inspections on. We do provide notification. Our goal for this operation, as far as administratively, is to provide notification to the operator that we do plan on inspecting it so that they can be prepared to have their information. Uh, the point is to make sure that they're operating appropriately, not to have necessarily an aha moment with the person. Uh, but to just make sure that they understand that they are being inspected to be checked on. Uh, they do have to have an agreement similar to the hotel motel stays. They do have to have an agreement to maintain what's considered a registry, the people that stay, uh, the, the dates and the length of stay that they've had. Uh, that is important for us to, to check for their records. Again, for our existing hotels and motels, that is a requirement in the city code. And we're just trying to make sure that we align uh, what's required for similar uses um, to, to work together. They do also have to have proof of liability insurance uh, that will have to be provided for upfront through the registration process. And they will have to identify what their proposal will be. Uh, they will need to identify to staff through the registration process how many bedrooms they plan on having available and the total maximum number of occupants that they uh, anticipate on using. If it changes, uh, they will have to notify us to alter their registration for it. Okay? And of course, you'd have to identify the additional parking spaces uh, either through the utilization of a survey or through either on-site inspection or aerial photography that the city has. We will double check to assure that they do have their uh, required parking to meet the allowance for however many rooms they plan on having available. As far as enforcement, the proposal that's in front of you currently has what's 
what's being called essentially a, a three-strike rule uh, for founded complaints uh, to or against a zoning, uh, a zoning violation or a city code violation. Uh, there is a tiered process uh, for uh, any of those complaints that are received. The first complaint that is founded, um, they're issued a warning and they are uh, required to correct the violation. Uh, if it's not corrected, if the violation is not corrected within 14 days, it's deemed a second violation. And that's a big deal because if they choose not to uh, comply with the, with the first violation, they obtain that second violation, they are then suspended from the registry for four months and they're no longer allowed to operate the either short-term rental of homestay or vacation rental. And the third instance, if again there's a third founded complaint uh, that is valid, uh, they will be uh, suspended from the registry for uh, one year. And it is over the two-year process. The registry is good for two years. So uh, after the two years, they do get a reset uh, to, to start over and hopefully operate in a better manner. Uh, as typical, again, we're, we're uh, zoning certificate is giving the granting of an uh, uh, approval for a use. The zoning ordinance currently has a revocation procedure for the revocation of someone that is operating use inappropriately. Uh, or at, in violation of the zoning ordinance. Uh, that same process and procedure will be used and put in place uh, for anyone that violates their performance standards, their operating standards, or their uh, zoning approval that they've been granted to operate the use. Uh, we did have a number of uh, public meetings. Uh, well, we had, there were a number of public meetings that were held previously. Um, at the direction of council. We did have a public meeting in uh, on August 30th at the Pretlow Library where we had a reasonable turnout and lots of questions uh, that were raised and uh, concerns that were raised by the citizens both on uh, the for and the against side of the proposed use. Uh, staff did make a list. If you take a look in your packet, there is a three-page list that has about 20 plus uh, items that were reported to us. Uh, where we looked through and went through the regulations and made adjustments accordingly to try to, one, um, identify any of the things that we may have missed and to address them, or to note that if it wasn't something we planned on uh, changing, we did note that there was no change made. Um, uh, with that, um, based on the proposal as it currently stands, staff does recommend approval of the text amendment for the allowance for homestay and vacation rentals uh, through the city mail. Thanks, Bobby. Um, any questions, commissioners? I had a couple, Bobby. Um, we have biannual inspections in the proposal for life safety inspections, fire and police. Yes, sir. What about codes, for violation of codes? I'm making sure that the facility is safe, clean, and habitable. Uh, is there any provision in there for that? Um, that, um, we went through the regulations. That is not, um, we believe that the market itself will, will bear out for any issues that deal with, with uh, bad operators of these type of uses. Um, also, we do get typical complaints that we still receive through the call center that we would have to address through the inspection process anyway. So we believe that we have other safeguards in place to maintain um, the proper level of safety for those buildings. Mm -hmm. um, and again, if someone does have a complaint, let's say they stay in a location, uh, I would assume that they would more than likely, especially if they 
paid a decent amount of money to report it if it wasn't in a reasonable condition, and then we can do our inspections in that fashion. Yeah, you indicated that uh, with the second violation, the operator will get a four-month suspension. Yes, sir. How do we arrive at four months? Is there any significance to that, or is that just arbitrary? I believe that the time frame for four months helped to, it essentially was a time frame that was long enough that bridged through a season. Mm, uh, okay. The key is just to make sure that, it, you know, let's say they violated uh, the code and they were at the end of September and they weren't, and they happened to be on the beach and they chose not to. Mm -hmm. We wanted to make sure that we tried to give enough, a, a long enough time frame to kind of carry over. Mm -hmm. Okay. And at the third violation, there's a one year suspension. Is that yes, correct? Sir. Yes, sir. Uh, in our work session, I asked this question. I wanted to ask it again, just for a record. As a single family, owner of a single family home, I can rent my property for a homestay or a vacation rental if I so choose. True or false? Uh, if you live in the home and you plan on doing a homestay, so you live in the home and you plan on renting out rooms, uh, that is something that you can, you are permitted to do through the registration process, yes. Okay. Uh, except, oh, I'm sorry, yes. Uh, and a key point to that is, uh, except in the historic, the local historic districts for as far as vacation rental. Um, as the vacation rental requirement itself, um, that does have some limitations on where the location is permitted to be uh, to, for a whole house rental. Okay, any, thanks, Bobby. Yes, sir. Any further questions, comments, commissioners? Hearing that, uh, the chair would like to acknowledge Perry Priest. Did I get that right? Priest? Perry, yes, sir. Good evening, you all. My name is Perrin Priest. I live at uh, 825 49th Street in Norfolk, Virginia, in Highland Park. Um, Having grown up here, I feel that this is a good opportunity for the city uh, with the imminent threat of the relocation of the Norfolk Southern headquarters and the always continued potential loss of a carrier battle group that we face. Sometimes these are economic voids that we need to figure out how to fill. Um, driving around in my neighborhood, I've noticed a lot of for rent signs. It seems as if ODU's made good on their promise of better on-campus housing. Um, so I think Airbnb will allow property owners to ensure that they're paying their property, personal property tax. There's studies out there that have proven that where Airbnb is enacted and regulated accordingly, but is allowed to grow relatively uninhibited, that these delinquency issues are resolved. It also helps with tourism. People come here to spend money when they're ready to spend. Um, these are offering the home away from home amenities that you don't get at a hotel if you're looking to bring your family down in Hampton Roads, we're centrally located. You're seeing people living or visiting their loved ones, parents visiting their college kids, people coming in town for business, uh, traveling contracting crews that work on commercial buildings around town will stay at these. Um, so I think there's a lot of benefits and it promotes economic development and improves the culture of the city. We're getting people from all over the world, all over the country, every single day. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Thank you, indeed. Uh, Chair would also wish to acknowledge uh, Mr. Ryan Earnhardt and Carl Johansson. 
either of you folks would want to share some thoughts with us now at the time. Actually, I have undecided. Mark Underhart, the owner of the new changing zone. Okay. So, only have good things to say. Um, as I said, my name is Brian E. Hart. I live at 810 West Ocean View, uh, Norfolk, Virginia. And, you know, really, when we look at short term rentals, we're thinking of like an apartment above a garage or a house next door. But what we're actually looking at is the future of real estate. Real estate is changing how we do business. Short term rentals are allowing us to change how we manage real estate, how we get people to work, live and play in this area. And so when we look at it, there's a reason why hoteling companies are fearful of Airbnb. There's a reason it's disrupting this market. And so for us, we can either try to shuffle, shuffle away from it or actually use that power to push us towards the future. And so what I want to look at is actually, I think that the zoning team has done a great job in establishing the regulations for this. And I think they've seen the issues on the whole of Norfolk. One key market that I'm looking at is Ocean View. So Ocean View, we have seven miles of beaches. We have beautiful homes being built, restaurants coming back to the area. But one issue we do have is distressed apartment buildings. And so if you drive down Ocean View Avenue, you'll see a brand new $500,000, $600,000 house next to a $500,000 10-unit apartment building. And so you ask yourself, why do we have that? And the reason for it is that as a multifamily investor, I can't buy that property I cannot renovate it to the standard it's needed to meet East Beach and meet the new plan for Ocean View and make money. I also can't knock it down and put something else in place and make money because the density is lower. But what I can do is use short-term rentals, use Airbnb, VRBO, corporate housing to actually bring it to a better standard and bring in new people to live, work, and play, to visit our restaurants, to use the entertainment, everything provided. And this is not a theory I have. My company, EF Capital, buys these distressed buildings. We, my construction company, EF Construction, designs and renovates them. And my management company, Tesseract Rentals, is the first short-term management company only focused on short-term rentals in Hampton Roads. All we do is take these buildings, make them beautiful, and we bring people in there. We're actually pulling people from Virginia Beach to Ocean View, leaving five-star reviews about because of what we're doing. We're focused totally on the guest experience, and we're also focused on the community. So, our real goal is using this new technology to better these real estate investments and actually bring value back to areas that were downtrodden in the past. And we have that possibility now. We can do it without government help because it's financially feasible. And so we've done, if you drive down Ocean View Avenue, you see the house with the keyhole on it, let's say dune cottages, beach cottages, those are our properties. And I'm proud of them. And I'm proud of our team that's local that manages them. And so this type of technology and these type of regulations do provide that same support. The only two I do want to touch on is that the 10 units, the more than 10 unit properties do cut down on certain investments that we can make in Ocean View in those areas. So I do think that during the conditional use permit process, we should be allowed to make a claim for higher properties that may be 12 to 16 units, which we do see a lot in Ocean View, that are currently distressed. Go right ahead. Go ahead, okay. Uh, and then the only other one is that I had a little issue with was the um, law enforcement coming in between the hours of 7 a.m. and 11 p.m. Now, I understand that's for normal business. They are living areas, though, for people. So, like, for my team, for instance, I would be happy to schedule something, get anybody in there anytime, but to make sure the guest has the best experience and really enjoys what Norfolk has to offer, we need to be able to schedule that adequately with those guests. But otherwise, I think what we're doing here is great. And also, too, to give you guys a better picture of short-term rentals, I would be happy to take you to our local warehouse. I'd be happy to meet our team and see our properties and see that what we're doing in the area to help enforce this, but also show that we can take distressed properties and make them great. 
than we can do without government funding. That's all I would thank you for that information. Uh, commissioners, any questions? Good study, Brian. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Mr. Chair, can I? Yes, sir. Weigh in on just one point. The, the question uh, from Mr. Erhard was allowing for more than 10 units on a multifamily property. Uh, the cutoff point was due to concerns with conflicts with the Virginia Uniform Statewide Building Code and the requirements for transient occupancy stay mm -hmm. and the required upgrades that may be necessary to uh, protect those occupants. So staff believe that that was a good stopping point instead of having someone go through architectural so design. I, I think. Um, if I can interrupt here, sorry, Mr. Chair. Um, I think we're we're think I think we're confusing the dwelling units and the number of bedrooms that are available. But but let me um, work on responding I'm to sorry. Mr. Um, Ahart's comments. Um, if you look at the revised uh, uh, revised the most um, most up to date table that's in the packet that's available um, and and in your Dropbox, um, the the manner which we're proposing to handle um, vacation rentals in multifamily dwelling units, um, it looks like throughout the city, um, uh, downtown and in the RC districts, um, is to um, is to allow uh, the property owner to use more than t ten dwelling units of their apartment building by conditional use permit. Right. So there is the option to do that, it's just when it gets to that uh, number of units, um, we think that it requires a case-by-case -case approval because there's a little more going on than, than with a fourplex or a sixplex. Um, with regard to the building code issues, we understand the um, way the building code classifies uses that if there are more than 10 people living in a 10 transient people living in a dwelling unit that it's really no longer considered a residential dwelling unit it's basically become a bed and breakfast at that point so we do have a limit of no more than 10 people per dwelling unit but there is no limit on the number of dwelling units in an apartment that would be eligible for use for vacation homes uh, understanding that once you get over 10 you may be in the uh, cup process rather than something administrative is that Helpful. Yeah. That's correct. I'm sorry. I, okay. I was getting because the numbers are somewhere. I did get the numbers mixed, but Mr. Well, two miles are better than one. We appreciate that. That is true, Mr. Chair. <laughs> okay. Any other comments? Thank you for Bobby and Adam for clarification. Commissioners, any questions on that before you respond? Uh, let me give call Johansson. Mr. Johansson, did you have anything to add? Okay. That's what a good undecided person should do. Just, <laughs> just listen. <laughs> any comment, commissioners? Okay. Uh, the motion is to approve the zoning text amendment. Mr. Houchins? Um, I, I want to I first uh, thank staff for, for taking the time to um, uh, travel down some uncharted territory. Uh, this has been a very controversial issue for many reasons on, on both sides of, of property ownership. Um, but I, I think we've, uh, staff has done a great job in, uh, just identifying opportunities to, to address um, a big need, a big demand uh, for something that um, is constantly changing. Um, so with that, I vote yes. Mr. Uh, Mr. Murphy? Um, like my fellow commissioner, I was uh, suspicious about whether or not uh, we could regulate this and uh, 
strike a balance between protecting our neighborhoods and, and encouraging what is a uh, an industry that's viable and, and here to stay. Um, I am very impressed with the work of uh, Ms. Melita and staff on the um, proposed ordinance, and I vote aye. Ms. Shelton? Yes. Dr. Newman? Aye. And Mr. Fairley? Uh, it's, it's been, uh, we tackled this thing kind of unbeknownst as to where we were going to go with it. Uh, again, uh, like uh, Mr. Houchins and uh, Mr. Murphy, our staff uh, just did an outstanding job trying to get their arms around this so that we could have something that we could look at objectively and make a proposal to city council. Thank all of those folks who participated, all the public hearing and feedback we got. Especially want to thank the staff. And I vote yes and look forward to uh, us moving forward with this process in our city. Thank you. We look forward to the recommendation of that to city council. Item number two, Susan. Okay. Item number two is an application by the city planning commission for a zoning text amendment to section 3.7.13 principal accessory and temporary use table for the special purpose districts to allow a continuing care retirement and community to be permitted in the East Beach Harbor special purpose district by right. Okay. Um, so continuing care retirement center. Um, we allow them in certain districts uh, in the zoning ordinance now. We have a very specific uh, definition as to what a CCRC is. Uh, as you know, we have one at the end of Colley Avenue. Uh, I think it's the only one we have in the city right now that we had permitted under the CCRC. Um, we have an applicant who is interested in a property in the East Beach Harbor Special Purpose District um, that is on the south side of uh, Pretty Lake Avenue on the other side of uh, Shore Drive. Um, the use is not permitted in that district, uh, and the applicant is proposing to include uh, CCRC as a permitted use in the East Beach Harbor Compliance um, uh, District. Uh, we uh, do require, as you all know, that applicants meet with uh, the, uh, the, the impacted neighborhood. Um, the applicant did do that. He actually had a community meeting um, and um, came away with very, very positive feedback. Uh, and with all that, staff is recommending uh, this application to allow uh, the CCRC in the East Beach Harbor Special Purpose District. Susan, uh, are these allowed in other districts? They are. Okay. They are. Any questions, commissioners? Susan? The uh, motion is to approve the zoning text amendment. Uh, Mr. Hutchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Ms. Shelton? Yes. Dr. Newman? Aye. And Mr. Fraley? Aye. Thank you, Susan. Item three. The next item on your agenda is by IP configure for a change of zoning to amend the proffered conditions of property zone conditional CC community commercial at 2330 Bowdensbury Road. The purpose of this request is to reuse the existing building to allow commercial and office uses. Um, this site uh, is located uh, on Bowdensbury Road. Uh, again, I think the commission is familiar with this site. Um, the applicant is proposing uh, an adaptive reuse of the former Dugan's Metal building. Uh, it was an industrial building. It's been vacant for probably more than a couple of years now. Um, as I mentioned, um, you may be familiar with this site. Uh, in 2016, we rezoned the, this site uh, as well as a, a large tract of land that goes all the way over to Hampton Boulevard. 
um, for a shopping center. Uh, so it was conditionally zoned and it was tied to a very specific site plan. Um, the shopping center will uh, not, at the very least, be happening on this site. Um, so in order to um, modify the existing zoning, the applicant essentially has to rezone this property and modify the conditions to so it's no longer tied to that site plan and no longer tied to a shopping center. Um, so that's what they're here today to do, to modify the, uh, the conditions for this particular property. The other properties, as they come in, and if they want to do something different than what was approved for the entire site, also will have to come back and modify those conditions. Um, the conditions that uh, have been proffered by this applicant, um, the existing principal uh, structure and the historic uh, gas filling structure, which is a little building located just to the south of the main building, uh, will be retained. The exterior design and construction of the historic principal structure and the historic gas filling structure uh, will conform to the Secretary of Interior standards for rehabil rehabilitation uh, until the five-year compliance period has uh, expired. And finally, the Elizabeth River Trail will be accommodated along the perimeter of the property in a mutually agreed manner that does not diminish the development potential of the site. Um, so subject to those conditions, staff is recommending that this rezoning uh, and amendment to the proffered conditions is approved. My curiosity is, uh, is open this morning, this afternoon, Susan. That site, the overall site, had some years ago now been uh, proposed as a, I'll just use the term shopping center. Mm -hmm. Uh, is that proposal dead? The, as you knew it, yes. As okay. was approved through this group, yes. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Any questions, Commissioners or Susan? Uh, we have here the applicant, uh, Chris Utterwick. Utterwick. I'll get it right. Pronounce that once again for me, sir. Uh, I believe it's Utterwick, but I get it wrong. Utterwick, <laughs> too, sir. <laughs> Utterwick. So uh, thank you very much for uh, hearing me today. Uh, we've been in ODU, ODU for about uh, eight years in the research part, and uh, we've outgrown the space to the point where we have pallets of equipment and um, a lot of software engineers and uh, no place to expand. So we're looking to um, stay in that part of town. We've got folks that come from um, Suffolk, Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, uh, Pocosin, and we love Norfolk. Norfolk's been good to us, and we think this site is uh, really exciting, particularly because we draw a lot of, uh, of our staff from the Old Dominion uh, Computer Science Department. So mm -hmm. um, we're excited about keeping the, the historical relevance of the buildings. We're excited about uh, bringing the green space um, back and, and beautifying the property. So, um, But we're a nine-to-five company and uh, mostly computer nerds uh, in the building, and uh, a relatively tame group by many people's standards. What <laughs> <laughs> uh, you say, computers? What particular area of technology are you folks involved in? So we make uh, video surveillance software. Um, our largest customer uh, is uh, McDonald's Corporation. We're the global standard for McDonald's. Uh, PetSmart's currently ro rolling out about 800 facilities with our product, where, uh, like the cameras you see here and and uh, other public spaces. Our product's really designed to manage that and present it to um, people looking to protect their people and their assets. And so that's the core business. Thank you. Any questions, uh, Mr. Uterick, commissioners? For the minutes, we need the address that you want for the uh, sonographer. 2330 Bowdens Road, Norfolk, Virginia. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Any comment, question, commissioners?
chair acknowledges their uh, Noah. Oh, I'm sorry, Jacob Comby. Okay, thank you, sir. Uh, no opposition, Susan. Okay. The motion is to approve the change of zoning to amend the proffered conditions. Mr. Houchin? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Uh, thank you for uh, going above and beyond to accommodate the Elizabeth River Trail. Um, I vote aye. Ms. Shelton? Yes. Dr. Newman? Aye. And Mr. Fraley? Aye. Good luck with that. We'll make recommendations to the council. Uh, item number four, Susan. Next item on your agenda is a request by Cova Brewing Company for the following applications uh, at uh, 9529 Shore Drive. A, a rezoning from RC, Residential Coastal, and CC, Community Commercial, to Conditional CC, Community Commercial. B, Conditional Use Permit for Production of Craft Beverages. And C, a Conditional Use Permit for Live Entertainment. The purpose of this request is to allow for a new microbrewery to operate with limited entertainment options. Okay, so um, this site is located on the um, west side of Shore Drive, just a below, actually that's 22nd, um, uh, uh, Avenue. <laughs> no, uh, no, no. Um, it is an accurate term right now, car repair facility. The bridge, uh, just as you come over the bridge, it's on the uh, left-hand side. Um, the applicant is proposing to operate uh, a microbrewery, or as we call it, production of craft beverages. Um, they are also proposing um, to do um, live entertainment as well. So that gives them alcohol both on-premises as well as off-premises. Um, to accommodate that request, the applicant has uh, a few things they need to do. Half of the property, the property on Shore Drive uh, is CC, which is commercial, but the rear of the property uh, is zoned RC, which is uh, residential. So their first request is to uh, change the zoning on that rear portion to match the front uh, into CC. Um, and then they are required to get two conditional use permits, one for the production of craft beverages, that's the microbrewery, uh, and then one for the uh, entertainment as the accessory use. Um, the proposed hours of uh, operation for the facility, obviously to, to, to brew, they're going to be there pretty much 24 hours, um, but for the sale of alcoholic beverages, um, for both on and off premise and for the entertainment, uh, it would be from 12 o'clock noon till 10 o'clock p.m. Monday through Thursday, 12 o'clock noon until 11 o'clock p.m. Friday and Saturday, and from 12 o'clock noon until 9 o'clock p.m. on Sunday. Um, they do have a total capacity of 156. Uh, they do have indoor seats. It's a fairly small tasting room uh, indoors with 42 seats. Uh, and then uh, outside they've got 58 uh, outdoor seats and then a host of entertainment things that, uh, as you know, are... Um, microbreweries do here in Norfolk. They have bands, karaoke, comedian, poetry, reading speakers, storytellers, fitness and exercise classes, trivia night. And then um, their long-term plan. So you can see on the plan um, the existing building. It's another adaptive reuse. They're going to reuse the existing building. Um, and then uh, to the in front of the building, they'll do their outdoor dining, and then they've got parking there. They do meet the requirements of the zoning ordinance for parking. Uh, they will also have some outdoor area uh, as well. The section along the street there, um, that is kind of a long-term plan. They're working with the city um, not to purchase that, to, but to be able to use that. But we did want to let you know that, that uh, once they work that out with the city, they do intend on using uh, that uh, portion of the property for outdoor activities. 
Uh, we do have some uh, nice elevations of the proposed use. Um, and that is a good uh, view of uh, the section they're working with the city on and hopefully in the future we'll be able to use. Okay. Back on into parking. Um, uh, staff is recommending that the application uh, be approved subject to, and as you all know, we have the uh, standard conditions pertaining to the hours, specifying the uh, type of entertainment, uh, that they have to abide by all ABC uh, regulations and subject to all of those conditions uh, staff is recommending that the rezoning and the conditional use permits be approved. Thank you Susan. Any questions of uh, Susan commissioners? Uh, hearing none, the chair acknowledges that there is no opposition to this application. We do want to acknowledge the following folks. The applicant Susan Bateman, Scott Bateman, and once again, Jacob Comby, either of you folks like to add anything, uh, now's the time. Thank you very much. Commissioners, any questions, comments, criticism, suggestion? Hearing none, Susan. Okay, the motion is to approve the rezoning and the conditional use permits subject to the conditions contained in the staff report. Mr. Houchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Ms. Shelton? Yes. Dr. Newman? Aye. And Mr. Fraley? I will make that recommendation to council. Good luck. Uh, new business, Susan. Okay. Right. <laughs> Mr. Chair, our next item for new business uh, is development certificate. Wait, uh, wait. Yes, sir. Development certificate. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, a development certificate, uh, Taswell Apartments at 117 through 119 West Taswell Street for a waiver from the requirement for the use of the ground floor area. Mr. Chair, the Property again is located at 117 and 119 West Taswell Street. The property owner has uh, come in and done a renovation to the existing building, adding uh, apartments into a building that had some apartments and commercial uses. Uh, going through the permitting process, the applicant had stated that their intent was to continue to maintain commercial uses on the ground floor, which is what is required uh, in the downtown uh, district uh, to have ground floor active uses. The applicant, as uh, they've continued to work through it and looking for tenants, has found a tenant that plans on using it in a in a way that actually uses the res uses the entire floor as a residence that the whole ground floor is a residence but it is open as an office as well because the area actually isn't separated or <coughs> split apart to have a true area that is separate that is commercial versus residential technically as staff reviewed it it looks like it is all residential in order to properly uh, address the use since it's not specifically called out as a allowed ground floor active use. The applicant is requesting a waiver from the ground floor active uses on this property in order to allow for this. Uh, it's essentially similar to a live work but it does not meet our definition of a live work unit. Uh, live work uh, is very structurally defined as far as uh, essentially if you look at it it's someone that's living above the commercial space and but they use it together. This kind of has that area blended where there is uh, sleeping accommodations on the second floor and uh, on a mezzanine and then they have some of their kitchen and living areas on the first floor combined together with the office space where they'll meet with clients. Uh, because it doesn't, again, directly fit into that uh, what's permitted as a ground floor active use, the applicant is requesting a waiver through the development certificate process to allow this proposed use, um, which is essentially residential, uh, and waive the required ground for active uses. Uh, Bobby, thanks. What kind of business will be operating? 
Uh, I don't have that specifically of who the operator is. I do know it's supposed to be similar to Office, though they'll be meeting clients essentially on the, on the first floor. Thank you, Bobby. Any questions of Mr. Tahan, commissioners? Well, I am a little bit curious about the type of business because that the reason that exists is to um, keep our streets active. And um, the building next door, the Rockefeller, we put residential on the first floor, so that um, I don't want to keep doubling down on something that's not working. Um, but if it's a business that does have clients coming on site, then I'd be a lot more comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. Right. As it was explained to us, and they didn't tell us the exact operator. That's why, unfortunately, I'm a little uh, low on the uh, details. But I do believe Rick Hen is here representing the applicant. I don't know if he's signed in to speak, sir. Um, but the uh, as it was relayed to us by the uh, property owner is that the person is meeting um, clients uh, in the office space, essentially. It essentially looks like the kitchen table, but it, they actually are meeting clients on a regular basis. Uh, I believe it had something either similar to a, either uh, kind of one-on-one -on -one type of law or maybe even photography. I, and again, I'm not exactly sure, but they did reiterate to us that they are meeting clients in that space. But technically, because it isn't divided, it is technically a residential unit. Well, Bobby, let's see if we can't get some answers for our questions. Yes, sir. Mr. Rick Hand is going to provide some feedback for us, I'm sure. Hi, Commission. How are y'all doing today? Uh, my name is Rick Hen. Two ends. Uh, I live at fourteen hundred Granby Street, Unit Four Hundred Seven, and I'm here to represent the applicant. <clears throat> and uh, the applicant's got a tenant who has two different tenants that he's looking at. One's architecturally bound, and one's photography bound. That that are you know coming in. People ask questions. Well, uh, it's just that you know we're evolving as as a as a world right now and, and retail's changing dramatically people you know um, and so it's to have retail space on the first floor is just really a hard nut to crack now because of there's neighborhood meat retail isn't the way it used to be and heck even the big boxes are going down mm -hmm. so we have to kind of look at something that will still add life to to the street but but uh, stop the you know help, help with the restrictions of just retail in fact, you know, like Tazewell's a one-way street going to Bush, so it's not a big retail destination anyway. Uh, so, but uh, so as right now, you're looking at uh, photographer and architectural. Yeah, those two are two people that are looking at it seriously now. But you know, you can't get any commitments until you know, it, the space isn't legal. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you can't get any commitments until after that point. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think. The, the proffers or whatever that, that uh, planning wants will, will abide by and make sure that things are correct. Okay. Thanks a lot, Rick. Okay, thank you. Any other questions? Kevin? As well as one way towards Granby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Did I, Away did from the Mr. Houchins. I do have one question, um, Rick. Not question to you, actually, it's to, to uh, Bobby, um, because you, you posed the a fact that I, I actually was sitting here thinking but just didn't quite know how to present it <coughs> is that um, I, I think we're seeing businesses change and, and we've dabbled and discussed um, live workspaces. Um, Bobby, do you see an opportunity to maybe redefine how we define residential versus live work based on what you're seeing 
applicants bring to us? But what we're dealing with, Mr. Houchins, is we've added the live work use into the new zoning ordinance. So if we thought we were taking a step and then we see something different that, that pops up. Um, this isn't actually the first one. I think there's a, a number of, a couple of them that we're kind of dealing with that are similar in nature. Um, and so, and it's hard to put words around it at this time. So I think the best bet for us is to, uh, um, I hate to use the terminology, but sometimes you know it when you, you see it type of thing, uh, to be able to try to identify it. Mm -hmm. This one, it was clear that we couldn't separate it out as live work, because live work also in the building code is a very specific um, use that has its own requirements. And we hate, we don't want to try to come into any type of conflict where it confuses both sides. So, um, but we will look at it. We believe there is some, there is some value to it. We actually didn't, one of the things that we noticed also was that we didn't specifically call out that if this truly was a live work unit, that that's actually not included as a permitted ground floor active use. So there are probably some things that as we continue to drill down and we see more of these types of applications that if we can kind of put a box around it, we can try to, try to, um, define it so that we can be allowed. Okay, okay. I, I, personally, my first experience with, with the whole live work um, uh, theory was, it, you know, with the city's better blocks, and uh, first in Five Points, and, um, and then in Park Place, and just realizing how many um, spaces that the city actually has that just can't really efficiently be utilized, either because of lack of parking or because of the separation um, in, in, the, in the retail units, um, but would serve great for, for photography studios or art studios and things of that nature. Um, so I'd, I'd love to see what staff comes up with that's more of a hybrid to, to what we currently have and, and what it, it appears that you know the world is evolving. And, and just to also on top of that, you know, the, because of the nature of, of Taswell, on this, that's why it, it is necessary to make sure that this stays away, especially in downtown on Waver. If this was directly on Granby Street, I think the discussion is a different discussion yeah, right. um, because of the the expectation for that. Mm -hmm. um, this does have its own unique character, which lends itself to be an appropriate request in staff's opinion for a uh, waiver, but not so in other locations where we do have a driving force to say, you need to have uh, a active ground floor use that truly functions. And just a reminder, you know, we, again, in trying to be flexible in the new zoning ordinance, uh, remember, for home occupations, tr true residential single families, whereas before we didn't allow people to have clients for their home, they are now allowed to come in with a conditional use permit to have clients for a retail service. Mm -hmm. So we are trying to look at all the different variations that are being thrown at us. Thank you. Kevin, did you have something, Mr. Murphy? No. Okay. Uh, any other questions, comments at this time? Susan? Okay, the motion is to approve the development certificate subject to the uh, waiver requirement for the use of the ground floor. Uh, Mr. Houchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Ms. Shelton? Yes. Dr. Newman? Aye. And Mr. Fraley? Aye. Good luck with that, Rick. Thanks. Uh, item number two on the new business, Susan? Uh, Susan. So item number two is to initiate um, uh, uh, a plan Norfolk amendment uh, to adopt the Wards Corner commercial area plan. Again, I'll call. I'm back, yes. Hi, good afternoon. Um, this item is to, as it says, to initiate a plan amendment to adopt the Ward's Corner plan. Um, as we're all aware, the city received a grant from the state to study the Ward's Corner area to kind of, kind of come up with a new vision for the commercial area. Since the, uh, the latest plan was done in 2004, there had been a lot of changes out there, and we have a lot of opportunities coming up with transportation, 
current and things that could happen in the future, so we wanted to take another look at the area. We have enjoyed working with the community over the last 12 months, and uh, we'll be coming back with a, a plan document uh, for public hearing. Susan, they just had a meeting last night on this topic. Yes, we, we had a community meeting last night, very well attended, over 60 people. This is our third meeting, um, uh, received very, very well out there. Yeah, I just wanted to acknowledge that for the record, that it was uh, uh, some more than just modest support and interest in that meeting last evening. Correct. Uh, any questions, uh, uh, Ms. Shea, commissioners? Thank you, Paul. Susan? Uh, the uh, motion is to approve the initiation of the general plan amendment, amendment to the uh, plan Norfolk 2030 to adopt the Ward's Corner Commercial Area Plan. Mr. Houchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Ms. Shelton? Yes. Dr. Newman? Aye. And Mr. Fraley? Aye. And then the final item on new business is um, initiate a zoning text amendment, section 3.7.11, TOD, Transit Oriented Development, Section 2.3.3, Development Certificate Review Procedure. Section 3.1.2, Establishment of Zoning Districts. And Section 3.7.2, Established Special Purpose Based Zoning Districts of the Norfolk Zoning Ordinance to correct the regulations that were incorrectly translated from the prior zoning ordinance. That's pretty self-explanatory, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. go right ahead, Jeremy. Last but certainly least interesting. Um, <laughs> this is... So a little bit of background, the TOD district is, we've actually had on the book since 2011. We've never used it. Um, so far the market just hasn't gotten around. It's really been a land availability issue. And um, we actually have a potential applicant coming, coming up um, to potentially wanting to use this district. And when we opened it up and took a look at it, we discovered that uh, the consultants apparently decided to play around with it a little bit and make some adjustments and when we were going through the final review of this we didn't catch that and it's pretty substantially wrong in a lot of ways so we're um i've already already got it all redlined and written up and ready to go so we just want to go go ahead and get it fixed essentially bringing it back to the way it's always been we don't have any feedback as to how it works or doesn't work we've never used it so uh, hopefully we got a guinea pig coming soon thanks a lot jeremy any questions of mr sharp commissioners we finally get to use it, though, right? The that's, TOD. Okay. that's the hope. I hope so. Yes. Uh, no questions, Susan. Okay. Uh, the motion is to initiate the zoning text amendment regarding the TOD transit-oriented development. Mr. Houchins. Aye. Mr. Murphy. Aye. Ms. Shelton. Yes. Dr. Newman. Aye. And Mr. Frey. Aye. Looking forward to that, Jeremy. Uh, that concludes our agenda. Any uh, comment, Adam? No, Mr. Chair. Susan, commissioners, I got two things if you'll allow me. I don't know if any of you folks saw the latest edition of Planet Magazine, but Norfolk is highly recognized in there. Uh, if you haven't, uh, uh, it's dealing with uh, resiliency and sea level rise. Our former director, George Homewood, is quoted uh, extensively in there. So it, uh, uh, at least the rest of the planning world nationwide knows about Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, and, and this is uh, more personal, I guess. Maybe I should or should not say it, but uh, one of Norfolk's uh, finest servants, uh, our, uh, City Attorney Bernard Prisco, is going through some challenges. Um, uh, his wife is, is, has some health issues. It, uh, 
son and her boyfriend or daughter and and her boyfriend were involved in a motor vehicle accident in which both were injured. So I just ask that you keep those folks in your thoughts and prayers and remember Bernard for the service that he's given to our city. Uh, with that, uh, we stand adjourned. Thank you. Mr. Chair, can we add a couple things? I apologize. We kind of Go slipped ahead. our mind. Um, I don't know if Paula wants to say anything about it, but uh, was it yesterday? Tuesday. 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 Um, Gant was recognized as by the American Planning Association as also one of the great neighborhoods. Great neighborhoods. We'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> we already knew that, right? <laughs> but glad they caught up with us. Yeah, official and, and to have national rec recognition along with all the other uh, uh, the other neighborhoods that we've been able to put up for that recognition. So and a plaque. Yes, and a plaque. So. We're going to have a ceremonial including presentations. That's great. Yeah. Well, that's only fitting since a few years ago, Collie Avenue was right. noted as one of the great streets in America. Right. So then, finally they're catching up with us, right? We, and then we also had Freemason as, a, as another one that received a neighbor. Fantastic. And the other one is that you do happen to notice we do have a new face in the room. Mm -hmm. um, we have Hank Morrison, uh, who's joined us as a planner one uh, in our zoning shop, uh, helping us kind of try to get our head above the water. Um, at the moment, as you can see, we're very down on a couple other people because they're at required training for their certifications. This is the planning department. Yes, this is it. Everybody's gone right now. So um, it, we're glad to have Hank. Hank, uh, by way of Oregon through Charlottesville. Where, uh, so uh, I will always say this because it deserves to be said. He was a uh, track athlete at the University of Oregon. So for that's those that are something. familiar with what that means, that's it's like I being a, 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 a football player at uh, Ohio State University. So it's a... You need someone very quick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's hope he doesn't run away. But uh, we are glad to have Hank. Hank has been a great addition to our team and uh, is really uh, catching on very quickly. So hopefully he'll be doing additional work and you'll see him often and regularly too. Well, welcome, Hank. We wish you all the best and I hope nothing you've seen today scares you away. <laughs> <laughs> We stand adjourned. Thank you.